0: Welcome to the One Size Does Not Fit All podcast. I'm Kat Vitu and the founder of the World Life Tribe and I co-host this show with the lovely Liberty. And together we meet the most inspiring people that are here to give you tools to live a life where you will thrive. Bon Raw makes it easy for you to sweeten naturally with minimum
1: effort and zero compromise with their delicious range of raw and unrefined organic sugars bon raw is better for you and the planet find bon Raw's silver birch panela and coconut blossom at waitrose hi and welcome to the podcast one size does not fit all it's me liberty and i'm joined once again by my lovely co-host cat hello cat hello
0: how are you <laughs> i'm fine thank you how are you yeah, I'm really good actually. It's just been Easter weekend, nice weekend where everybody's nobody's working and nobody's at school and um, we all just had a really nice time actually. Again, not doing much but as in but just nice to, to have nothing actually to do. So yes, it's been very pleasant. Oh I have been gardening, which is Oh, nice oh you've got a lot of garden to garden. Oh, not that. I, I'm in planters. I'm in um, veggie troughs. <laughs> yeah, go on, start that Oh, God. okay. <laughs> oh, really? It was uh, nice I because have we have four deer in my garden who come up every day, mum, dad, and two babies. So I'm really like, oh, I've really hit the country. Oh, that's so lovely. Every morning. How exciting. Yeah, really nice. So yeah clearly I've changed oh. I put belly boots on every day I was planting one one veggie trough with vegetables and the other one's my strawberries and blueberries
1: <laughs>
0: Are you, you going to love them as much when they come, come and eat
1: it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> when no. they come and eat everything out of your trough <laughs> yeah. Thanks
0: for ruining that picture for me um, I think about that, about
1: that. <laughs> We got to see a bit of family this weekend as well, which was really, really nice. I saw my sister. You saw your sister.
0: Yeah, it's very so nice, isn't it? I just feel like a bit more normality because I haven't seen my sister since September.
1: Yeah, it was really nice. I hadn't seen my sister. So I finally got to squidge her baby and um, and see my little nephew. And it was really good. It was The thing that really um, struck me was how much my kids enjoyed it. Obviously, they're... Uh, and 12 and nine and the other and the baby is one and, and Stanley is is four but my son kind of regressed from being almost 13 to back on the floor with playing with them and it was so unifying as a family to just be together they did a little easter egg hunt they were holding hands around the garden um and it was just so are they supposed to hold hands oh well they held hands <laughs>
0: they didn't really hold hands.
1: <laughs> it was so sweet.
0: Yeah, it was it made a really big yeah. difference I think this weekend also because we saw people in the garden. You know, just to do that is really nice, mm. isn't it? Um and just feel like you're mixing yeah. again, I think, cuz you know, we're a bit bored, like kids definitely, but they felt so good doing an Easter egg hunt with other people. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Legally as well. <laughs> Legally, yeah. <laughs> so sweet. <laughs>
0: and of course, you know, this yeah. weekend, next week, you can go and have a drink at a pub outside. Um, and a restaurant outside, can't you? And yeah. sit in the snow. <laughs> yeah. That will be fun.
1: I felt, it was crazy weather this weekend. It was like, my brother. my brother lives in New York. It was like New York, Chicago weather where... It was so hot we were in the sun all day on s- Saturday and then Sunday it was snowing. I couldn't believe it. We've had snow. I hated it. Morning. I hate oh my gosh. There's nothing happening here, but um it's pretty cold. I mean James got a sunburn on Saturday, so Oh that's that's bumpy.
0: But they always say, don't they, British people complain about the weather all the time. But honestly, if you lived in England with this weather, it is all seasons and all days. And that is why we just don't know what to wear all the time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, it's really weird. It's really weird. But um, it's nice, it's just nice to see everything. All the daffodils, all the, everything's changing, Every, all the trees are in blue and oh, it's just so nice. It's so hopeful. I'm looking forward to the, the road map back to normality as Boris. Did you see Boris doing his briefing?
0: Have you seen his hair? <laughs> oh my God, his hair is worse than anybody's I've ever seen actually. It is awful. <laughs> I guess he can't be seen to have a haircut, can he? He can't have a sneaky haircut. <laughs>
1: so weird though because everyone else chris witty and everyone their wives must be cutting their hair or something but he looks like
0: blonde paul mccartney it's so weird <laughs> it's really weird <laughs> <laughs> Is it very, really flat? it's just like that isn't it it's just like these two weird you know it's just like that was our prime minister he looks weird um but yes oh. okay, very exciting um took my dogs out for lots of walks actually this weekend um, and I think I was saying to you, I was a bit like, I won't go for walks on my own at the moment. I'm a little bit freaked out about it because we've I'm sort of part of lots of community boards at the moment that um, so many dogs are getting stolen or people are jumping out of big white vans and, you know, running up to people to try and nab their dogs. And it's in places that are so close to where where we're all living. Yeah, um,
1: yeah. It's, it's absolutely the everywhere. because. Yeah, I think. Well, first of all, when it used to happen, I used to always look and be like, "Oh, that's no, that's not near here." But now it feels like it's absolutely everywhere, and um, it's it's doesn't seem it's completely indiscriminate. It doesn't matter if your dog is spayed or if your dog is male, female, if it's a, a a desired breed, they're just taking just taking dogs. Yeah, really, really scary. Which is weird, actually, because at the same time, I saw on Sky News that the. Um, Dog homes are full because so many people walk puppies and then decided they didn't want them and have horribly, sadly, given them to dog homes. And so there is like a, an overflow of all these sad puppies. It's just a really awful, sad, scary time. It's Who thought you'd ever see the day where you would be worried to walk your dogs on your own because you were worried that someone would take them?
0: Yeah, but I mean, I was saying to you um, My that- mum... You know, I've got two miniature Dachshunds, and I mm. felt like I paid a lot for them five years ago. Um, but they've now over double what I paid. That's how much they're charging for them now, um, and I'm—I think that's insane. And so, I, if I was going to buy a dog now, I wouldn't buy a dog now because of how much they are.
1: It's crazy, absolutely crazy. Speaking of dogs, though. We've got a very special guest today. We're joined today by Kim Greco, who is a professional dog trainer and is joining us all the way from Maryland in the USA. Sorry, I lost it then because I wasn't sure I said Maryland right. Hi, Kim. Hello.
2: You did say Maryland correctly and all the way from the USA for sure. It's such a great treat to be here with you guys today.
1: We're so excited to have you here. You're so interesting. Everything that you've done and been through and what you do now, we're so chuffed that you've joined us. Oh. Um, we know it's 11 o'clock where you are. It's 4 o'clock here. Um, and we're just glad we made it work so that you have come on and speak to us today. Absolutely. So So um, you heard us talking about all the dog craziness that's going on over here. Do you have any of that kind of thing going on? In the
2: U.S., we have only a mild version of what you're talking about. But even here in the U.S., I have heard about how bad it is where you are. It's really? making world news, um, at least in the dog training industry um, around here. I think the the biggest struggle is um, somebody that wants to get a dog is finding it more difficult because um, breeders don't have any dogs left, and our shelters are still relatively low um quantity so but i'm concerned that it may happen here what you're talking about with regards to people ending up returning their dogs that they got um during the shutdown that if things are harder than they anticipated Mm -hmm. so we're, we're dealing with some of the same things for sure
0: can i just ask where are you guys in the lockdown at the moment are you free are you going out are you different to us or the same
2: I think we have less restrictions than what you guys have. So we're allowed to go out and Run errands or go places. Um, Clearly, we need to wear a mask when we do that. Um, The vaccines are getting rolled out here pretty, pretty aggressively. So um, I've been fully vaccinated. There are several people in my family also have been. Um, One of my kids is, but the others are too young. So they're waiting um, until they approve one for adolescents. But, um, yeah, it's been, you know, I haven't gone to eat in a restaurant personally, but they're opened with a lower capacity. So people could do that. Um, And for dog training, like we we are allowed to have group dog training classes again. um, But we as a company owner, I'm just limiting one person per dog so that we don't, and we have a low cap. So it's only six dogs in the class so that we our group, our groups are very small right now, um, which is probably great for the owners because you get a little more of our attention during the class. Um, but it's a struggle sometimes for families if they would have preferred to come all together um, mm-hmm. to the training class. And then I'm only asking one of them come. Um, so yeah, we're just being as flexible uh, as we can trying to run the
1: business just as safely as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, that's quite funny you say that because I always shout at my husband that he didn't come to any training classes and therefore the dogs don't listen to him. <laughs> so that would suit him. <laughs> He'd say, no. well, I couldn't, it was locked down. I, I wasn't allowed, but he really doesn't have an excuse. So um, they don't listen to him at all, which is quite interesting. Um, but what I was going to ask you was um, about how you got started, because I know in fact that You didn't train dogs initially. What did you used to do, Kim?
2: Um, Well, it depends on how far back you want to go in my life history. So I grew up with riding horses. Um, I trained horses and rode horses from the point I was six years old. And then by the time I was 10, I was competing quite seriously. But by the time I was 18 years old, um, I was ranked third in the United States for what's called hunters, um, jumping over fences and competing. I went up and down the East coast of the United States for horse shows as far South as Florida and as far North as Vermont, New York city, Madison square garden, like the whole, the whole nine yards, which was so fun. And um, I think it got me certainly pointed in the direction of a professional career working with animals. And after I graduated from college, I spent um Ten years actually working with exotic animals. During that time, I trained mostly dolphins but also sea lions, seals, exotic birds, and even penguins.
0: That's amazing. What I was gonna say with you trained exotic animals and stuff. I mean, at the moment when we're watching things on TV, you know um, and you're seeing various places that are being flagged up as not treating so many animals nicely and stuff like that. As you're somebody who trained them, what what would you say to all of those kind of programs?
2: I think that it depends on the f- program and it depends on the facility. Um, I certainly was was lucky enough throughout my career to work at some of the most prestigious um, places in the country. So most of my career was at the National Aquarium in Baltimore, and the the level of treatment for those animals was absolutely top notch. And so their priority was was almost entirely just from a medical standpoint, making sure that we're caring for our collection of animals to the best of our ability. We spent most of our time and efforts during the day um, caring for the animals, preparing their food, providing enrichment like toys for them and and different ways to engage with them and and let them um, play and forage and engage with their environment in in natural ways. Um, And we also did shows and presentations for the public, but that portion of our job was actually quite minimal compared to where most of our attention was focused behind the scenes. Um, and so I can, I can see both sides of the, the, you know critiques that are out there in the world, but I tend to to know that like it's not a blanket statement that um, you know we shouldn't just be against animals in captivity. If they're most of the dolphins that were in our collection at the aquarium were actually born at the aquarium, and there was talk many years ago about the possibility of trying to maybe rehome them to an ocean exhibit, and I was like, those poor dolphins would be so stressed because they're that's their home. They're used to where they were. Were in the aquarium and super well cared for. Um, and for me, I know having experienced um, thousands and thousands of, of people that I spoke to and talked to at the aquarium, just knowing that these animals I was working with were ambassadors for their counterparts in the ocean, like we had school field trips that would come in of, of inner city kids in Baltimore that they're not gonna have necessarily the opportunity to see a dolphin out in the ocean, but when they can come into an aquarium and get so close to them and just be awed of how magical they are, um, those people are gonna go out. I know it because I talk to them, they're gonna go out and and do their part to help the environment in a way that they never would have if they hadn't had that personal connection with those animals. So I'm all for it as long as the quality and the care, um, as long as the management, of the facility is that their heart's in the right place, which is the places that I worked falls into that category. So um, it does depend on the place, but when it's done right, it's so, so, so impactful for those people.
1: Wow. That's so amazing. I mean, as a child, do you think you, going from the horses and then they threw, do you think that you you always knew this was the kind of work you wanted to do? It was always going to be with animals.
2: Um, I think it, it was always going to be with animals. I was um, also pretty academically gifted. So I, did, I had great grades in school. And um, I, so being pretty smart and loving animals, when I started college, I just assumed I was going to be a vet. Um, I figured if you were smart enough and liked animals, that's what you were supposed to do. Yeah. Um, and so I was on that trajectory in my undergraduate career. I um, had picked out where I wanted to go to vet school and what I wanted to study, but um, I did an internship while I was in college and we studied wild dolphins off the coast of North Carolina. Um, and that kind of like opened up a whole new world for me um, with the opportunity to be able to, to learn more about marine mammals and getting into the, op- the opportunity to work with them was, um, you know, not something I could pass up. So that was pretty exciting for me. Mm. So then what happened? How did you end up with dogs? Oh, I know. So I was working um, as a senior trainer at the National Court in Baltimore. My job at that point was more sort of teaching the other trainers how to do their job, um, helping them and coaching them through, through training the dolphins. And then I got married and we wanted to have kids And once I had kids, I stayed home with them. So I stopped working at the aquarium when my, uh, right after my daughter was born. And then two and a half years later, I also had a son. Um, And then I would have um, happily stayed home with my kids, a stay-at-home mom. um, That was like, I was in my heyday. I just thought it was so amazing um, for me to be able to really kind of show up and be there for my kids when they were little was was really important to me. Um, I didn't really have much of that when I was growing up. Both of my parents worked full-time. I was like the latchkey kid. I'd come home from school and like take care of myself for hours when I was old enough. And so it was really very um, eye-opening and and moving for me as a mother to really kind of get a a taste of what that would be like to just be with my kids every day. Um, And then when my youngest son was 18 months old, um, my husband at the time left. And we, um, after about a year of lots of turmoil, we got divorced uh, after we got divorced, then um, I had to go back to work. I, I didn't have the luxury to stay home anymore. And that year of my life of feeling like um, being a stay- at home mom and and finding like my whole like love in life of being there for my kids um, through the next twelve months, feeling like I was sort of forced to to have to give that up. Um, it was a really, really, really challenging, probably the most challenging time of my life where I felt very aware that um, I guess the, the thoughts I was having in my head was that if I were to go, first of all, I had already had my dream job. So I thought that that was off the table. Like I, I, I did that. And so that wasn't available to me again. Um, and that I'd have to get a job and I'd have to not be there for my kids. So I thought I was going to have to have a job I hated and that I would be a bad mom at the same time. So it was just a completely confronting and challenging time for me in my life at that point. Um, that, but that led to, um, sort of enough personal development and, you know, Everything taking care of myself really was the the catalyst of all of it. Was was diving into to self love and caring for myself and doing what I needed, um, that that let me that led me to a point of being able to figure out that um, I could create my life to be anything I wanted really, and so. Um, I knew that I still wanted flexibility to be with my kids when they were young. Um, and I knew that I was super passionate about animals. Um, and I, I was so inspired by knowing that I could help people train their dogs and that the result would be that they would be able to create this relationship with their dog that they'd always craved, that they'd always wanted to have, but that they didn't know how to get there. Um, I knew so many people, especially friends of mine with young kids, that were struggling so much in their everyday life because their dog was making life more chaotic. Um, and so for me, it, it seemed quite seamless once I was able to, get out of my own way that I could, in fact, have a job I love and totally involve my kids and talk to them about it. And um, they always wanted to hear the stories about the dogs. And so um, it was really beautiful the way I was able to um, end up piecing it all together so that I ended up with, I think, everything that I ever wanted and then some. Um, because my company has grown now to the point where, um, I have a team of people working for me and it's literally a day doesn't go by where I don't feel super grateful for the fact that there's other people in the world that would now say they have their dream job. And it's one that I created for them, um, as, as being a dog trainer. My oh
1: God, my you gosh, sound that's amazing.
0: They <laughs> <laughs> like, you're so, you're so amazing, like you went from a really tough time with two small kids where most people would just melt to the floor and take anything but you really used it as an opportunity to turn your whole life around and I I love the way you talk that you're doing something that you absolutely love and you know and actually I love also that you say that you really gave yourself self-care because that is also something a lot of other people won't do so that's to hear that because in the UK in lockdown there's been so many marriage breakdowns actually where people it's obviously got very intense for people um and just hearing you say that I'm just like listen to this woman everybody get online listen to this (laughs) chat
2: yeah it was really great and I think that the best thing for me was um being there for my kids. And then, um, many, a few years later, I started dating a a man who I then got married to. Um, and he had three kids. So we blended our families together. Um, and that he has a very traditional job and his ex-wife who we get along with beautifully also has a very traditional job. So when our kids were very young, um, I was around a lot for them, during like a regular weekday, two o'clock in the afternoon in the summer at the swimming pool. And my oldest stepdaughter one time when she was 12 years old said to me, she was so happy that I didn't have a job that I could take them to the pool. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, which which as far as she was concerned, it was like the best compliment I could have ever had and that I was showing up for these kids like with everything that they would need. And I was still working working a lot, but weird hours and lots on the weekends when my kids were with their dad, um, or evenings when um, when another parent came home to watch the kids and i go out and help people anyway. So it was really beautiful to be able to still be such an integral part of the kids' lives when they were growing up um, on a day in and day out basis.
1: Wow, it's amazing that you and Kat have crossed paths because it's like, if Kat could create a dog trainer in her own image and make this perfect woman <laughs> it would be Kim Greco so Kat was like I haven't really spoken to Kim properly I don't know what she's like but um, she sounds amazing and I was like yeah I can't wait to speak to her and now you're just I can see Kat, Kim's Kat's face going this woman you are so insightful about yourself because you've got um like Kat said you've got this you know what you wanted but you're like how am I going to navigate to this position. Um, But when you said, when I finally got out of my own way, you know, working from, I want to be at this point, but I'm going to go backwards and see how I can approach a different route to get there. It's funny because my sister gave up work to be with her kids. And when she was trying to decide how she could get back to work, but make it work um, and still be around for them, someone said to her, you know, one of the most lucrative things you can do in London is be... Uh, a dog walker. And she was like, "Ah." she's just not into dogs at all. My sister, I would have been like, Oh my God, I'll do that. Um, But she was like, I don't know. She's a real, she's, she's an advertising executive and that's what she, she, you know, she loves. But I was like, actually looking after dogs and being there for people who need dogs is almost like it's the perfect way to work around a, a kid's school day and all that kind of stuff. And I love that you said that kind of backhanded compliment from your, your stepdaughter. It's true. My mom raised us the same way you said you grew up in that she was like a latchkey kid. Her mom worked as a waitress and was gone nights and a lot during the day. And she was the housekeeper. And my mom gave up work to look after us. And I loved, I always knew who was picking me up. I always knew who was dropping me off. I always knew she'd win the sports, the mum's race on sports day. I always knew it would be her. I always knew she would be there. And I still say to her this day, that was just such a gift because that's the absolute total security as a child, isn't it? To know that your mum will be there.
2: Absolutely. And I know that, you know, that's not something that's available to everybody, um, yeah. but I also think that. Um, there's such creative ways that you can come up with, with sort of connecting all the dots, which is definitely something that I feel like I, um, that I did when my kids were young was, um, you know, I was, I was dealing as well with my mother um, starting to become sick and, and she has some mental incapacities. And so Um, Even though I lived near my mom um, and for many years I lived with my mom, even when my kids were old enough that they could have stayed by themselves, I didn't feel comfortable leaving them alone Mm -hmm. if they were just with my mom. And so where some people feel like, you know, they, they have a parent that can swoop in and babysit at any time. Mine was that complete opposite. It was like, I couldn't leave them alone with her. Mm. And so I was, um, very creative in, in either they came with me or they went to a friend's house. I mean, it was super complicated, but, um, it was so important to me to make sure that they were safe. And so I do know that, um, you know, that's not a luxury that everybody has to just sort of be around with their kids all the time when they're, when they're growing up. But, and by the way, it's not something that everyone would consider a luxury, (laughs) um, right? Some people wouldn't appreciate that as a mother, um, but that there's no judgment, right? Like every single person's Mm -hmm. different. And I feel like at the end of the day, what's important is that your kids know that you love them.
1: Yeah, exactly, and I think it definitely depends on the kid. I don't think my son could care less, but my daughter loves it. She loves it. The um, other thing I wondered was what. How long ago was it that you started the 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 business? Twelve years ago. Okay, and now you employ how many people? Seven. And they're all dog trainers
2: too. Yep. We have um, a team of six dog trainers and then we have like admin support in the background to help with coordinating all of us.
1: Oh my gosh. See, I've got two crazy dogs and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is the
2: dream. I wish you didn't live so far away. Well, we do have an online dog training program.
1: So that's something you can consider for sure. Sign me up. Sign me up. I mean, it's, it's huge business, isn't it? Because I'm... I was there's always something on TV about training dogs. Um mm-hmm. we were watching a new one the other day and it's incredible uh, when I was reading your biography as well and and some of the stuff you were saying it's incredible when you realize how much of an impact you are having by 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 doing the same repeated behaviors and actually creating the situation you may be having with your dog that you don't want but you are you're the cause, which is what I'm thinking is what I'm doing. Right. So it must be really satisfying work. You must find all the time that that, that there are some really easy fixes that change people's lives. For sure. And I think the
2: most satisfying, and this probably will not be a surprise to either one of you, the most satisfying part for me is if I'm working with a family and I'm talking about their dog and I'm teaching them how to reinforce their dog for doing the right things or how to not, Accidentally reinforce their dog for doing the wrong things. Um, how to, maybe even how to correct their dog, but like fairly and effectively so that it works and they understand what you're saying. Um, my favorite opportunity, my favorite clients in those moments are the ones that are also parents, and they have like a light bulb moment in our sessions at some point, and then they say like, "All of this stuff is going to work as a parent, isn't it, Mike?" Yes, it is like, you know, you're, you're accidentally reinforcing stuff when your kids are having a temper tantrum or complaining too much and you're feeding into it versus reinforcing, you know, when your kids make great choices and they're doing things that you're really impressed by, um, you know, don't forget to tell them that or acknowledge them for it. And, you know, and, and I'm very particular about language for me, it's important for, for who I am in the world. Um, I, I'm a big believer that the words you, use, create the world you live in. Um, and so I'm, I'm pretty, I focus on the positive, but not like frou-frou. Like I don't try to pretend things. It's very authentic. Um, but a lot of that too, with the, with the focusing on the stuff the dogs are doing, right. I think helps parents also focus on the stuff their kids are doing, right. Yeah. Um, and it helps us get out of the habit of just seeing the stuff that's going wrong and overlooking and not even noticing the, the thousands of things that went right.
1: That's so interesting. Oh, I really want you to come over, Kim. <laughs>
2: okay. <laughs> I know, you don't have to ask me twice. I'd love to visit you guys.
0: I find it really interesting, actually, a lot of people in lockdown have got dogs now. Um, and, you know, so many people. The, the rate of it here has absolutely boomed through, like we were saying. Um, um, but... I often speak or have gone for a walk with somebody who's just got a dog and they, you know, they can't go to puppy training or they haven't been able to. So, You see the difference, actually, when people are having to raise it themselves. You know, it's interesting, actually, because I guess what I'm trying to say is, that you know, like people are, are still not that sure what to do with their new puppies, What, how, you know, like and people get quite panicked. But like, whereas normally you'd have vet real vet availability or real trainer availability, all of that has been gone for us for the last few months, really. Um, mm-hmm. So like, for instance, I was talking to a friend the other day who She's got this beautiful new cockapoo, you know, it's gorgeous, Um, but she looks so tired and I was like, why are you so tired all the time? And she's like, because he wakes me up at 4.30 every morning, but it's okay, we've solved it now, we've put him outside the bedroom door now. Um, And so he's (laughs) like, you there, you know, like, come from the kitchen to that, but literally for two and a half months, she's not slept. And she's kind of like letting the dog, I was like, what are you? I was like, you can't let like your child, like, rule you over sleep either. You know, you can't let the dog rule you as well. Um, but she's literally not sleeping. So, for the sake of this poor, my poor friend, what, what, what would you recommend? Yeah. Um, I, I probably would want to ask her a couple
2: questions, like how old her dog is. Cause some dogs when they're young, clearly they can't go throughout the night, but if she's had it for a couple of months, it's probably now just a habit. And so, um, it's just really important that they not reinforce their dog, um, for trying to get up every time when it wants to, but um, so it could be that she feeds it earlier or maybe stops giving it water all the way until bedtime because it may be actually causing it to need to go to the bathroom overnight. That'll sometimes help if you can shift to dinner earlier let everything get through their system before they go to bed. Sometimes also letting them go out to go to the bathroom later at night before you go to sleep can also help. You know, if you're only going to have, let's say seven hours, you don't want to let your dog out at eight o'clock at night and then call it a, call it a night and then complain about getting up in the middle of the night. So if you can shift the whole thing, sometimes that helps too. Um, sometimes if the dog is in a crate, um, putting a little towel or blanket on the outside of the crate helps it feel a little bit more like a cozy little den area, um, which could be super, super helpful too to make sure that the dog is really comfortable inside their crate um, and cozy, sort of. That's kind of what the, the goal you're looking for um, so that they're not trying to get up all the time. If they do get up, um, being sure that you're not quickly back and call so that like you were just saying, like, if it was a kid, you wouldn't let the kid sort of demand all these things from you. Um, Same way with a, with a young dog is that doesn't mean that you're not necessarily going to take it out, but trying to make it not feel like you're leaping out of bed and rushing over at their beck and call and like whisking them outside. Um, And so just sort of being a little bit more nonchalant about it. And if that happens where you take them out in the middle of the night, much like if you're feeding an infant overnight, like try to be as boring as possible. So very little interaction, very little talking, um, and then right back into their crate again. So a lot of times people make a mistake of that. If the dog gets up at four 30 in the morning to go out, to go to the bathroom, they think the easiest thing for them and the dog at that point would be for them to come and sleep, let let the dog come and sleep with them for the rest of the the morning until it's time for them to get up, which, um, you're laughing Kat. which if that's what's happening,
0: if I were I their dog,
2: I would also want to keep getting up at four o'clock in the morning. Why not? If you're gonna get them to sleep in the lap of luxury for the rest of the night.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, my dog <laughs> sleep. You're up all night. They sleep all the way through, but I am a naughty dog mum. They do sleep in my bedroom, but they do sleep through.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I my dogs sleep in my room with me too, in my bed, but if but only I only recommend that for clients if you don't have any other problems so if your dogs were you know growling at you in the middle of the night now we would need to revisit that but if things are going well and it's not broken then it's not something we need to fix
0: oh I'll have to tell her that I feel like
1: (laughs) I feel like my dogs are too old to learn any different is that true my dog my dog is one of them's five and one of them's six yeah they i Can they still
2: be trained? Absolutely. In fact, it's quite um enriching. Like it's fun for them to learn new things. So could they still be trained like behavior modification to change they're doing something wrong? For sure. But I believe that dogs should be learning things throughout their whole life, learning new things or tricks or fun little games, things for them to do, um, engaging ways. It will activate their brain much like it would ours. So imagine if we were adults and be like, okay, I'm done learning, never gonna to learn another new thing now for the rest of my life like that's not healthy for us either um and I think the same thing applies to the dogs
1: one of my dogs is more of an issue than the other he barks all the time like if he's happy he barks if he's if he knows he's going for a walk he barks when we get him in the car he barks when he knows where he's going so he's like oh we're nearly there he starts barking and everybody thinks it's hilarious but me and the kids and my husband hate it and we're and it. My daughter had a friend who was with us a while ago, and we was we suddenly sort of realized someone else had to put up with this too. And she was like, "Oh my god, my ears are bleeding!" And we felt so guilty. It's yeah. so embarrassing. What would you do about that? I guess because we shout, like, "Be quiet!" But that's probably making it worse, right?
2: Uh well, probably, especially because clearly that that's not working. No. <laughs> Or you would have told me, like, she barks until you shout at her, then she stops. So if it's not working, then yeah, that would be my first advice is then don't do that because it's not mm-hmm. working. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, that's a it's a complicated case um, and there's so many different pieces to it, but um, to just sprinkle in two things that would be helpful, mm-hmm. um, one is that I like to teach a dog like yours Um, to do an exercise that I literally just refer to it as a calming exercise. It's almost like a self-soothing teaching the dog to calm themselves down. And to do that, um, I put a leash on them and then I step on the leash. And my goal is that if the dog is standing or sitting next to me, that there's very, very, very little tension on the leash. Like it's not like singed down or anything. It's just loose. But if they were trying to walk away, then they would start to feel a little bit of tension um, from that leash. And then I don't say anything and I don't do anything. I don't give them any commands, but I just want them to learn over time that if they were to lay down all of that pressure, even though it's tiny pressure, all of the pressure would go away. Um, if they tried to to resist, to not lay down, the more that they resisted, the more there would be some pressure from that leash. And so without any cues from me, like, a lot of times dogs know lay down. So you could just tell them down and they would do it, but if they have to figure it out themselves, mm-hmm. it helps them learn how to calm themselves down, um, which is something that would be handy for your dog to know how to do. And so um, just doing that, not at a time when there's typical barking, but just teaching your dog that exercise when there's no other major, like conflicting things that it's, that it's destroyed, that it would want to be barking. And this in and of itself isn't going to have your dog stop barking in other areas. But if you can imagine that there's like a specific threshold that if your dog was excited or upset enough, it would cross the the threshold. And the moment it crosses the threshold, your dog would start to bark. But doing the calming exercise could get your dog to have more time before it would reach the threshold. So it's one way to help it be less likely to start barking or give you longer before it would start barking. It's not a way to to ever stop it from barking, but just that in and of itself would help. Because if you did the calming exercise for five or 10 minutes before you took him for a walk, it may in fact eliminate that whole barking out of excitement or enthusiasm that you're about to go for a walk, Mm -hmm. um, things like that. So that can certainly help to counteract it. And then the other thing I'll sprinkle in there for you is just, um, have you ever heard of clicker training? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We have those. You have one of those. Awesome. So if you you click and then give your dog a treat, it's like a hundred percent of the time, every time you click, you give a dog a treat. Mm -hmm. Um, this is how we train the dolphins, by the way, use, we used to, Oh, the whistle, we gave them a fish. Um, and so for your dog, what I would want you to start to do is to click and treat, to make sure your dog sort of remembers or knows that that those two things are paired together. Um, And then your job during the day is to click and treat anytime your dog is not barking. Because if you were to click and treat when your dog is being quiet, your dog will already be more likely to be quiet because that pays, like that works, that that gets reinforcement. Um, And when you start this protocol or start this plan, you would want to do it like pretty generously throughout the day, even at times when there's not normal things that would cause your dog to bark, but that over time you'd shift the proportion to be more aligned with, let's say after a week, then shift it a little bit to being like, I'm going to click and treat anytime I'm Impressed that my dog is not barking. So, um, if you were getting ready to get in the car or if you're getting ready to go, so any of those things you listed that sometimes cause barking, um, anytime some of those things start to happen and there's no barking, that's when I'd start to click and treat. I'd still be very generous about doling out the treats for the absence of barking um, because with no other commands and no other cues and no other information, it's just um, literally like paying him for being quiet. Those two things combined could probably make a a huge difference. There's lots of other things that that you could also do, but those two are fairly simple um, to to sprinkle in into your everyday life. It doesn't take time, effort, or energy or investment other than remembering to pay attention. This one is a perfect example of like it's super noticeable when your dog is barking. But in the absence of barking, it's rare that somebody would be sitting there and be like, huh, imagine the dog's not barking right now. It's like (laughs) you just start thinking about everything else that's going on in your life. You're not thinking about the fact that you're not hearing barking. And so you'd have to just remind yourself to pay a little more attention to that.
1: Okay, good. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. I
0: think by that as well, because I've got my, I mean, my dog, she's so lovely and she's so loving to us as a family but whenever we go out for a walk she's super aggressive on the lead to other dogs um she's tiny Mm -hmm. she's a miniature dushan but she just goes mental every time a dog goes past us or something and sometimes i try and i I, i'm being a bit better now because i'm less anxious when she does it because i always find it a bit embarrassing um mostly because people okay. look at you and go control your dog you know like I'm just like I can't control her you know, yeah. like, she's a dog um and then I don't know but I'm wondering if I did a similar thing to, at home maybe she would would she do would she stop trying to attack yeah them? <laughs> she doesn't and, and actually so attack them but she's right. Th- she is very you know very it's not just barky it's you know she's really physically into the whole thing as well for
2: sure so the only other thing i think i would layer in for you cat is to just be really careful there's a fine line and sometimes it's just a few seconds difference in timing where if you're gonna be let's say clicking and treating your dog for not barking that would be great if you were outside on a walk but once your dog starts to react then you, there's not a whole lot in this system that you can do at that point. Um, and the reason I say that is because many times people will try to get their dog to be good after they've started to be bad. If they start to growl or start to lunge or start to surge towards the other dog, and then you try to get your dog's attention so that you can click and give them a treat, it's almost like you're using the treats to kind of try to distract your dog. Then you're potentially, most likely, you would be accidentally reinforcing that reaction. And so you're, you can click and treat as much as you want, as long as your dog has not reacted at all. But yeah. once your dog reacts, my recommendation without like further training and doing like a whole program, The easiest recommendation I can give to you is stop talking and stop giving your dog um, food once it's gotten it wrong. Um, And you're just going to have to wait like for the next dog before you can start again. But your dog can learn that if I see another dog and I don't bark, my mom's going to act like a crazy like little Pez dispenser and keep giving me treats. But the second that your dog starts to bark, the treat's go away and your attention even goes away and then you just have to stand there and be embarrassed for a second while the dog goes by but then you'll do it again on the next dog so once it starts to go wrong um without further support from a professional then at least don't do anything else in that moment
0: oh thanks. does that you. make
2: sense
0: and now you've made me think about are and now i want a sweet <laughs> <laughs> i want one of those funny head things sorry yeah <laughs> fantastic advice I think you know we are we we I certainly know more people with dogs now than without dogs um you know and it's everybody Mm. and the market of dog food dog everything is huge isn't it now you know some people want to feed their dogs raw dog food some people want to tin you know it's all a little bit confusing I mean they all get there in the end and everybody obviously does what what it is suits them you know don't they but it's you know it's it's very overwhelming when you are when you've just got a new dog there and you walk into a pet shop and then you're like because then the vet is telling you one thing <laughs> you know and then you walk into a pet mm. shop but they're telling you 10,000 different things it's all it's it's a bit of a minefield now having a dog isn't it
2: It sure is. And forget it. If you're going to try to search on Google or anything on the internet, you'll find, you know, one person will tell you one thing and another person will tell you the exact opposite thing. And so for sure, any person would feel overwhelmed and confused in that moment of what to do. Um, I know you mentioned earlier, Kat, that that you know you couldn't, people couldn't go to in-person dog training classes. Where you are, um, there are a lot of dog trainers that have started to offer virtual dog training programs. Myself included, we have a online program that's just like a self-study, but we also do live group training classes that look just like this on Zoom. That what we're doing right now. Um, so we use a Zoom call to um, to be able to see the person working with their dog inside their house. We started our Zoom virtual group training classes when everything shut down, but many of our clients requested, please don't ever stop doing them. Because when we do private lessons, if I were to come to your house, your dog would act a little different than normal because I was there. And sometimes if you come to a group class, and you know, you may have noticed this Liberty when you took your dog to a group class, like sometimes your dog acts a little different when you go into class sometimes they're on their best behavior, uh, or sometimes they're horrible, but at home they're really not bad. Um, but, But what's interesting about these virtual group classes or virtual lessons with a trainer is that we can see your dog and you interacting in your element, but without changing your dog's behavior by our presence. And so some people feel like that's so weird. Like you you think like, well, don't I need to be with a dog trainer in order to train the dog? The answer is no, because Mm -hmm. sometimes and in many, many cases, it's actually more beneficial to train like this because I'm not changing the dog's behavior just by being there.
1: So
2: that's something Mm. to consider too. Mm.
1: um, Errol definitely did that. My dog, everyone was like, Oh, he's so intelligent in the dog class, and he's not, he really isn't. He's so stupid, but he's good. Yeah, he was showing off big time because I got him home and I was like, Look look at him. He he doesn't do it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the problems I'm describing are the tip of the iceberg, Kim. He has so many other issues, but I won't go into them, it's just too disgusting. But he's so naughty, but he's just he's so affectionate. Like Kat says, he's gorgeous at home, but you know, when you get him out and about, he's just a crazy guy. But yeah, it's very, it's, it's funny. They've kind of, they kind of see you through though. They're so, they've been so important to me. And I know Kat feels the same way that lockdown, uh, I wondered how they were ever going to cope when everybody goes back to normal life, because they're just, They've loved us being around, and they've been such support. And what's everybody been doing in lockdown? Walking, and walking, and my kids are like, "No more walking," but they love it once we're out and about. And it's just been amazing. These dogs, that they've all become therapy dogs in a kind of way, without without us knowing really. Um, they're amazing, amazing creatures. I absolutely, definitely, my favourite animal. I, I would definitely, it would be my dream job if I could, if I could um, work with you. It would be amazing. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, I know my, my son in particular, um, almost every day when he's in school virtually on the computer, um, a dog is in his lap. So oh. I think it helps him focus more on school. Um, yeah. So yes, like dogs have become our therapy. Um, I love that though. I think that's good for us, really mm-hmm. good for us and and really good for the dogs to sort of have a purpose and a job at home. Um, and we've had a conversation, at least my company and the people that we work with, um, for since this whole thing started over a year ago. In literally talking about, you know, my biggest concern as soon as everything started to shut down and we were home all the time was Ooh. that um, we need to be really cautious and really careful. Proactively as much as possible, setting our dogs up for when we do go back out of the home for longer hours, that mm-hmm. um, it, you know, it's very predictable that we will see a surge in dogs that have separation anxiety. Cause that's gonna be a really difficult transition for our dogs to have been used to us being around. And then one day we're like back out of the house for eight hours at a time. Oh and gosh. so during anybody that has a dog now, my recommendation is that you um, set up some sort of a system somehow so that your dog spends some time alone each day. Um, And when you're home with your dog or working from home and your kids are going to school from home, that's not easy to do per se, but somehow, some way, even if that means you have to go for a walk with your family, but without your dog on one of those walks, like somehow.
0: My dog's not taking you.
2: (laughs) somehow set it up so that your dog can be alone a little bit each day. Um, so that that's not a huge shell shock for them when, um, when, when we leave and go back to work again. Um, and that's just something to, to, for everybody to keep in mind, um, starting, even if it's just a minute or two all the way up to, it could be an hour a day that your dog is just sort of on their own and has some downtime. Even if you're in the next room, it's so important for them. Um, it's, it's not, it's like, it's not fair if we don't do that for them, um, especially because they've been there for us this whole time, that we just need to make sure that we're not going to sort of like drop the ball on what it's going to be like for them when we actually get go back to work.
1: That's so interesting. That's so useful. Yeah. It's really sad. <laughs> oh, God. Um, well, it's I, I'm appreciative for so many people that,
2: that got dogs and, and how much that's been helpful for them to get through all of this. Yeah, Um, it's fascinating. I think as a dog trainer, we're seeing a surge in cases where the dogs, people who have gotten the dogs. So over the last year, if you just got your dog, we're seeing dogs that, that are showing up. It's almost like they're not as respectful to the owners as what they used to be. Um, so pre like 2019 and before, um, I want to say maybe like 10 or 15% of our cases would be dogs that would you would, as a trainer, you'd be like, "Eh, it doesn't seem like that dog is listening very well or being very respectful of the Mm. owner. Um, And then uh, now it's almost like it's up to like 60% of the dogs that people have gotten in the last year. And I think that that's partly related to the, the fact that we're a little more stressed. Well, we for sure are more stressed than we've ever been before. And that the dynamic is more than not the dogs are helping us. Like we're needy and they're filling the void for us. Um, And that isn't always the healthiest dynamic for every personality type of dog. So Mm -hmm. some dogs imagine that can like go to their head and then they're (laughs) Thinking like, well, now I just rule the world, and you know, then the owners try to tell them to do something, and they're like, "I don't need to listen to you. Like, I'm here to help you feel better. I don't need to, like, you know, listen when you tell me to do something." So it's been an interesting, um, interesting experience to have seen such a rise in in dogs that would fit that category, uh, and I just don't think there's a doubt that it's because we're so unsettled that we're not showing up as confident as for, certainly as as sort of. In charge of things as we used to be, but we aren't either. So it's not like um, yeah. it's not like it's it's weird. It's normal, um, but but we've never had to deal with dogs before like this. So um, oh, no. many times, these people are first-time dog owners, so that compounds the, the problem even yeah. more. Um, there's a lot to it. It's pretty fascinating, um, but but the the overarching thing for me is just you know, I am so, so grateful that so many people turn to dogs during this time to help them feel better. We just need to be sure that we, you know, give the dogs what they need too, and not, not have it just be one-sided.
1: Yeah, that's so true. Um, this is just like a public information thing, but it's pretty disgusting, but my dog, Errol, the Wheaton Terrier, he got really, really down. And, um, and I was like, gosh, he's, um, he, he's really withdrawn and he kept disappearing out the, out the, into the garden all the time. And um, he wouldn't come in when we called him. And I was like, this is really strange. Anyway, he had a little um, rash on his back and I took him to the vets about that. And just in passing, I said, he's really withdrawn and he's normally um, wants to cuddle all the time and he's really soggy. And um, she said, okay, I'll take a look at him. And they take them off now in lockdown and take them into the vets and then bring them back out to your car. And um, I heard him screaming in the vets. And I said, I'm so embarrassed. He hates the vets. Was he he just screaming while you were looking at his back? She said, oh, no, no, no. She said, his back is just a little rash. And I've got this shampoo for you. But... I actually, when you said he was down, I checked his anal glands and they were really full. And so I drained them for you. And I was like, she said he wasn't, he was being such a good boy, but I basically had my hands up his bottom. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And she said, that's why he was screaming. The minute I got that dog home, completely different person. He... He must have been so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. My dad, though, and I had spent ages Googling depression in dogs, depression in and Terriers. We were looking everything up. We were doing everything for this little guy and we couldn't find anything. And it never, ever said anything about anal glands. So I never would have guessed straight away. She was like, I know what it is. Got him in the car. When we took him home, he smelled so disgusting. But he was like, I'm ready to cuddle again. We were going, oh, get off, get off. It was a complete 180 degrees. He was a completely different dog. Who
2: knew? I know that's the thing, but it's interesting because every dog is going to be different. Most of the time when dogs have issues with their anal glands, it's quite noticeable because they'll scoot their butt or lick their butt or really like really noticeable that there's an issue going on back there. And the owners are like, what's happening (laughs) with my dog? Um, You know, for you, I think it's really important to know just about your own dog is that he's probably pretty stoic as far as not going to tell like p- picture playing poker like he'd be good at playing- <laughs> because he's not going to tell you outwardly exactly what's going on, but how incredible that you are aware enough of his normal, that you could see a change. And sometimes as a, as a dog owner, that's, what's important is at least communicating to your vet, that there's been a change in what you feel like is normal. And the more Mm -hmm. you can be in tune with your dog and focusing and paying attention on what's going on with your dog, then the easier it is to help Take care of them because most dogs, like I said, would be quite obvious. And if that were the scenario, it wouldn't be depression. It would look like, holy cow, something (laughs) is absolutely going on back there. So, um, yeah, but that's important because it may show up in his world later in life or, you know, something else next thing medically that shows up for him. Just you knowing, like, if he seems a little off or seems a little, not as, as quick to want to cuddle, um, mm. those are probably now for you anyway, important signs to recognize, mm. like maybe I should tell my vet again. And, and it, you know, something else could be going on. Um, yeah. so that's great. Cause not everybody is that aware to pay that much attention to what how their dog is normal compared to, to change.
1: That's mm. great. Hmm. The other thing I saw was that it said you can do it yourself. I was like, no, thank you. Yeah, you like can, that. but I
2: wouldn't recommend anybody if they're not trained by a veterinarian or a vet tech to do it because it's not good for dogs if you do it too much. No. Yeah. It's I- like they, um, it, it could lead to other problems if you express them too often. And so, um, it's it's uh, unless you are a vet tech it's better to just sort of let your vets handle all that kind of stuff
1: yeah and, and they I think over here they used to let um until I think uh earlier this year groomers used to be able to do it but that's been stopped now in the UK so uh, that's a good thing because you can like you say cause some damage so yeah um yeah it was just amazing that it changed him instantly and so he's happy again now Aww. Um, I'm happier after
0: I washed him. Yes, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you because as you can tell, Liberty and I are both really love our dogs. Um, <laughs> we know that most people listen to this have pets as well, um, cats and dogs. Um, but I think this will be really handy because of um, lockdowns, new found, you know, pet thing going on. Um yeah. So if people are listening and they want to find out how they can maybe get on your group training or maybe have a one-to-one on Zoom, where can they find you? Um,
2: my business name is Pause and Possibilities. So it's um, so all spelled out, P-A-W-S-A-N-D possibilities.com and everything we offer is you can find it on our website. So you can look up on our website by, um, in-person or virtual well, the online options, like all the different things that we offer are all going to, it's easiest just to send people directly to the, the business site. Um, and <laughs> the name of the business pause and possibilities is not an accident either. Um, the word possibility I think was, um, for me, part of the catalyst in my life that once I sort of decided that, anything is possible and that i just need to be creative in the way that i um look at it or approach it then um everything is that's when everything fell into place for me so as i started my business it was important to me to always have that as a reminder that anything is possible Um, so the the name pause and possibilities is there as a as a daily day in and day out reminder that uh, you can have anything you want in your life you just need to um just create it and um you know, and a lot of that is all mindset related, but, um, so anyway, pause and possibilities is where they're going to find me. Um, and anything that anybody would want to know about me, I'm also pretty active on Instagram. So, and that's pause and possibilities as well at Instagram. I think we met in Clubhouse, didn't we, or something? Was
0: it Clubhouse? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I'm
2: Kim Greco on Clubhouse. So if anybody listens on Clubhouse, Kim Greco, I do um, I do rooms quite regularly on dog training. Um, so where where people like you guys could um, ask questions exactly like the questions you just talked We just did in this um, conversation here. Um, very regularly on Clubhouse, I'll be answering questions like that. There's also rooms on Clubhouse that a bunch of dog trainers from around the world um, hash out and talk about dog training stuff. But those conversations are sometimes probably a little complicated for a regular pet owner to listen to. But for me, it like totally jazzes me up. It's like right in my wheelhouse. I feel like I can kind of geek out on all all things (laughs) complicated. Um, But at the same time, I can change hats and show up and and be of service to people with pets everywhere um, on
1: Clubhouse, for sure. That's so useful. That's such a That's such an amazing forum to be able to do
0: that. Yeah, it's really good, actually. It's a very very clever forum, actually. Um, I've absolutely loved talking to you. Um, I also have to say, I love your American accent. I love talking to Americans. I think your accent. Mm. I mean, because I've for for the whole of I'm like, movies, TV. And when I talk to you, I almost think like, oh, I'm about to start talking American, but I'm not. (laughs) i feel like my children have started talking american now so they'll listen to this because they'll just love your voice
2: Um, yeah i see we i feel the same way about you guys so um oh yeah
0: it's
2: been really lovely thank you you're very welcome my pleasure